Chargers fans, it is the Kings Court Podcast. My name is John Williams, and I'm here with a guy who would get more than 10 minutes of ice time from David Quinn. That's Garrett Gartino. How are you, buddy? Oh, man, it's been a rough week for New York sports, I'll tell you that much. And like as soon as you started, I could tell how defeated your voice sounded, too. Dude, it's just, uh, it's rough. It's been rough. I mean, obviously, we're both Yankee fans. We had the Altuve walk-off home run, which I want to just talk about how fucking cruel sports are. So (laughs) so bad. Like, all right. So, what is it, six years ago now, five years ago, the Alec Martinez shot in overtime. Actually, no, this could even be traced back to 2011 the adam henrico that was the first devastating you know what even before that the only Okin and shootout miss that was the first devastating sports moment the adam henrique thing that sucked a lot the Alec martinez one i actually wasn't as mad about as i was the adam henrique one but this past calendar year has really done something to me First, we had Kawhi Leonard shooting a shot that he had no business taking, and then the ball going bouncing off the freaking rim four times and then going in. I had to endure that bullshit, and then I have to endure Altuve in the walk-off home run to clinch the World Series berth. Like, what the fuck, man? When So that whole game, I was just like obviously sitting there miserably, and... In the ninth inning, I was sitting there with a friend of mine who isn't a Yankees or an Astros fan. And I said to him, I was like, dude, I honestly don't even want to tie this game at this point because it's going to make the heartbreak that much worse when we either get walked off on today or we lose in game seven. And then DJ hits the game tying home run. And I, of course, went absolutely apeshit. Hmm. Yeah, it was a... A devastating moment. Maybe I'll take part part of the blame there too because I was not watching the game. I was working. I get home. I turn on the TV. Altuve. It's the home run. Yep. Like simultaneously. I mean, that was inevitable, and especially like Chapman. He looked okay during that outing, but the way that Altuve just swings at everything, you knew he was going to get hold of a pitch there. It was, ugh. and now he just Altuve just got out with. Two men on, two outs. We need that over. Yeah, we uh, both took the over on the Astros run line. So, uh, yeah, now now you guys can fucking score. But all this ties back into the Rangers. As it usually does, we usually start the podcast rambling about random bullshit in sports and coming back to the Rangers. Well, things haven't been any prettier in Ranger land either. Um, they've lost five straight games, including we're recording this on Tuesday night. They just dropped the game against the Arizona Coyotes three to two in overtime. Um, they're a mess, dude. They're, and we knew this was this had the potential to be a rougher year. Still, I mean, got a lot of young pieces on the team, but there are a lot of serious question marks that. I don't think a lot of them were around coming into the season, but they've all kind of appeared um, this season. So the first is, I want to get this stat off the board first. So three players on the Rangers skated for less than 10 minutes in tonight's game against the Coyotes. Garrett, can you guess who those three skaters are? Uh, We'll go with the obvious one of Kako. Yes. Okay. Um, the next one under ten minutes. I, I I feel like it wasn't any of the defensemen. Could have been Hayek. Wasn't no. a defenseman. So there's two forwards that uh, Lias Lias. I don't know. Yep. I, I'm still screwed up over that. What is it, Lias? Lias. Okay, and then I, I mean it's got to it should be. How about Greg McKegg? Greg McKegg. Yep. So, Kako, uh, under 10 minutes. Anderson, under 10 minutes. Greg McKegg, also under 10 minutes. McKegg, you fine, whatever. Elias Anderson, eh, not a good look. Um, You know, I'd love to see him get some more ice time. 
whatever. Kako having 10 minutes in a game that went to overtime, less than 10 minutes, a game that went to overtime, that's a no-no for me, especially when he had an assist on the game-tying goal, the second goal of the game. Um, listen, David Quinn's been getting a lot of flack for a lot of things, and honestly, deservingly so. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of the, the bugaboos we have with David Quinn um, and how much of the blame he deserves for the Rangers' five straight losses. But listen, the fact that Kako is playing 10 minutes, that's not a good sign, right, Garrett? No, well, and especially because I don't know if it was prior to this game or prior to the game before, there was some comments circulating about Kako talking to a Finnish news outlet and saying how he's not having fun playing hockey and how he feels like he should be getting more ice time and being the guy that contributes immediately. And there was, you know, a lot of speculation from the media about whether or not that was kind of a shot at Quinn or whether that was just Kako being hard on himself and saying, like, I feel like I need to be a contributor now and not, you know, having to take all this time to adjust to the NHL game. And tonight, to be honest, I thought, in the time that he was out there, he was actually very noticeable, very good on the puck. And I, I actually, for a team that is having a really hard time getting back, I don't ever really find myself complaining that Kako isn't skating hard towards the defensive zone. Kako did a good job um, in his limited ice time with the puck um, in the offensive zone, whether it was forechecking or just protecting it um, as the defender was trying to, you know, take the puck away. I thought he looked fine. He had the play to uh, get the secondary assist on D'Angelo's second goal, um, the pass in front of the net to Strom. I thought he looked fine. I don't understand why some of the other guys got more ice time than him. But that's, you know, the, the ongoing story in Rangerland. Um, how weird the ice time distributions have gone. I said, we've got a real big Brendan Smith problem. And I, I think that I might have like branded myself a little bit poorly to start the season by saying that like I didn't mind Brendan Smith. He's just become the most like pitiful excuse of a of a safety net for Quinn. And I have no idea why. Brendan Smith skated for how long do you think he skated for tonight? Probably close to like 13, 14 minutes. So 11.46. Okay. So not quite, but you're not too, too far off. Brendan Smith, towards the end of the game, was on a line with Pavel Buchnevich and Ryan Strom when Brendan Lemieux found the doghouse. And uh, that is also a problem because, to be honest, I thought one of the bright spots in this game was the Strom, Buchnevich, and Lemieux uh, tandem. I thought the three of them played pretty well together. Um, I was a little concerned when the Rangers broke up the top line, the initial top line of Buchnevich and uh, Panarin and Zibanejad. I was a little worried about Buchnevich and him finding a role and producing with the lack of center depth this team has and, you know, all those type of things. But I thought they, especially Buchnevich and Strom, I thought they had some chemistry tonight. I think that Butch is he, you know, he should probably shouldn't have been taken off that first line because it was it was no fault of his. It was more the fault of the rest of the lineup. But I do think that like, even though his score sheet contributions haven't been huge yet, he has like started to take that next step. Where I do think it doesn't matter who he's playing with, he's elevating them to another level. Um, it's it's just tough right now, man, because it's like we are just getting no secondary push and the, we kind of we're, we're playing this game that's like very dump and chase heavy and it seems like the guys just like outside of the top line when when they get the puck deep they just they don't know what to do with it they're, they're kind of like i saw a few times tonight where the, people are running into each other 
and it's just like the there's like a disarray on the forward side of the group and i don't i don't know what's going on but butch he's he's definitely like doing his job of trying to like bring up everyone else that's on his line and he might be like the right person to spread throughout the lineup so you brought up a interesting point about basically this team is showing very little chemistry guys running into each other and all that kind of stuff like you said my biggest complaint with David Quinn, and I have a few, and we're going to talk a lot about him this game, uh, this episode. Um, my biggest complaint about David Quinn is the fact that every period, not even just every game, every period, the lines are completely different. Listen, I know the offense isn't scoring. I get it. And I get trying to you know plug and play, change up some combinations, see what works. But I believe that you're doing a disservice to the team, a team with a lot of young guys, a lot of new players on the squad. You got to let the guys stay together at the very least for a game or two um, and let them build some chemistry. You know, you didn't play a game for a week. Then you had another four day layoff. You come in, you play four games in six days or whatever it's been. You gotta let the guys have a few days together in game action to, you know, build that chemistry. It looks like a shit show out there. Guys are sloppy. They don't know where they're supposed to be on the ice. They, we'll talk about the power play and how that's gone south really quick. It's just a, a complete mishmash out there. Well, and I think that it like what makes everything a little bit worse is that there was so much optimism about the length we were going to get out of the lineup. And we've effectively turned this into a three-line team because the fourth line has just been a mod podge of Brendan Smith, Leas, and whoever else they want to put on their other side. And I just like, I, I, I know that maybe there was a little bit of like an idea that this team would have a chance to contend. Obviously, I was like, all on board with the idea that this team was going to take a step forward. But if the team is not showing that like we're at a level where we can be competing with even the most average teams in the league, we need to turn that focus back to the development. And I mean, this is a whole other issue, but not having Heedle or Kraftsov available to the big roster, the big league roster doesn't make any sense for, building that like continuity that you're talking about across the lineup because even though they may not have been ready at the end of the preseason to play at the nhl level i mean clearly neither is the roster that we're putting out there now and separating the best unit that we have of the top line is just making us look even more lousy so i i think that like quinn really needs to like get to the point where he's just putting his best lineup out there and letting them roll with it so, as far as Hedl and Kratsov, um, I feel very strong about this for Kratsov, and I feel pretty strong about this for Hedl. I'm not bringing them up if I'm the Rangers. And this is why. That locker room right now is probably in disarray. Five straight losses to start the season. Guys are probably up, you know, on edge. They don't know what their roles are. You know, some people deserve more ice time than the other people and, you know, vice versa. And things aren't the way they maybe should be. The Wolfpack have a good thing going on right there, right now, down there. And Heedle's playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. And he's been producing. Let the kid keep accruing some confidence down there. Let him be around the team that's succeeding. Don't bring him up into this shit show. Find a way to get two lines that can go on a consistent basis, and then we'll talk about bringing them up. Yeah, it's kind of like a catch-22 in that sense because, yeah, maybe we could have more lines going if you bring those guys up. But also, if you're not going to play them 10 minutes a night, like you're not playing Kako 10 minutes a night, you're not playing Lee Sanderson 10 minutes a night, where the hell is the minutes going to come from? Right. I, I think that this just kind of comes with being like a greedy New York fan where it's like, what good does the does Heedle's contribution to Hartford do for New York? 
you know, and like, obviously that's a short sighted view, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. I, I love Quinn. I think that he, he really is the right coach for the Rangers in this new era, but I'm just getting tired of having coaches that we feel like are like keeping people down. And may, maybe that happens for every NHL team in the league. And we just don't know about it because we don't follow teams that closely, but it's just like, it, it really does seem like we're, we're just like a step behind some of those upper echelon teams in terms of like how we bring the team together and how we like pick and choose which prospects are ready. It just seems like we're always, you know, searching for the right formula. I don't know how to put it. So you still believe that Quinn is the right guy for the job? I think that I think that what he expects from his players and the way that he, you know, like, you know, he, he pushes the team to, you know, perform at the level that he sees fit for the NHL. You know, I think that's all the right thing. I'm not a big X's and O's guy, so I don't know if the system is what's right for the team. But I just, I, I think he's right. I just don't know where the disconnect is in, like, letting the Kakos just play through the bumps. Even, like, to, to my naked eye, like, I don't see any glaring issues in Kako's game so why is he not out there being given an opportunity to you know be the number two pick so I've said this in numerous amount of times um at the start of this season I said it a lot last year I'm not willing to say that Quinn's an awful coach yet but I gotta tell you Garrett he couldn't have done a worse job through seven games with all the Kako stuff going on, all the line juggling, Brendan Smith playing 11 minutes a game. First of all, playing seven defensemen every game at the beginning of the season when your team's not hurt and there's no injuries. Listen, if you love Brendan Smith that much and you like that kind of that player's game, then bench one of the defensemen. I mean, Mark Stahl, who I thought had been playing, I thought he had been playing good hockey for a couple games. His last three games have been atrocious. Um, Brady Shea, I'm sorry, man. Brady Shea is not good. There is nothing about his game that wows me. Like He's an above-average skater. I'll give him that. But he is not a smart hockey player. And he's caught out of position. So many times. Give one of those guys the healthy scratch and play Brendan Smith over them. I'm fine with that. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if he is getting the fourth line minutes. But at the same time, like, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating seeing him pop up on, you know, not even now that he's popping up on the third line, but the fact that he's playing 12 minutes a game as a seventh defenseman. Mm-hmm. Well, and for the Shea situation, dude, I mean, like, we, we've we always talked about how most, you know, like, I think the Rangers organization and then many fans on top of it kind of, like, overestimated what Brady Shea was going to be, and that was mainly because of the timing of his extension with, you know, the McDonough trade and all that kind of stuff. I think that Shea would not be under the microscope for you as much if we didn't have like the, the stall Smith dilemma that we have right now, because maybe then we'd have an opportunity to have a, a, you know, a player that takes their place and Shea doesn't have to be the number two or number three guy on the team. Cause Truba's looked fantastic. That's like, the one thing through all this shitty five-game losing streak, Troop is a fucking superstar, dude. Like, he he, he is just... It, he, I, I don't even know what to say about him. He looks so good at both ends, but then the drop-off after him is just awful. Like, at this point, the second-best defenseman on the team is Adam Fox. It's funny you mentioned that. So tonight, I uh, tried to do something a little different. I actually tried to write down and organize my thoughts. Novel concept, right? But I finally tried to do it. And I wrote down at some point in the third period, Adam Fox has potential to be an elite defenseman. 
in this league. I don't know when he gets there. Maybe it's a year or two away. But that kid has so much confidence for playing seven NHL games. That kid has the confidence of a all-star, you know, five, six-year veteran defenseman on the blue line. He is so poised with the puck. He makes such good decisions. And he was one of the guys. He didn't get a point on D'Angelo's second goal, but he made that happen. His puck patience and then finding Kako, who got it over to Strom, and Strom made that pass to uh, to D'Angelo. But Fox was a big reason why the Rangers were able to capitalize on that play. And he's a big reason. I think the, pow- the second power play unit has looked a lot better than the other unit the past two games. Yeah, I, I, I mean... Fox is the type of guy that I feel like, honestly, it, you look at the way that Quinn used uh, Pionk last year. Tell me why he isn't leaning on Adam Fox right now. You know, it's not like it's not like Pionk was some grizzled vet that he put his trust in. He was a young player that for some reason he wanted to hitch his saddle to. And I think that Fox, there, he should definitely be on a pairing with Truba at this point. Or I mean, I guess they're both righties, huh? So, you know, if you're trying to keep that lefty-righty combo throughout the lineup. But still, I mean, like, Fox is definitely – he he's going to be a stud, and I'm really happy that he's showing things. Uh, but that power play, dude, it's that's like, a, that's like a soft spot for me because I think that both units look really fun every time they're out there. But I feel like we've fall, fallen into the Rangers trap where they just get to be too passive sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. They um one of my notes about the top power play unit. They're just so indecisive. They're indecisive. They look like they're you know like when you hear the guys the analysts talk about oh how it looks like they're you know gripping their sticks too tight. They're trying to force plays. I think they're that's absolutely true about this team. They're trying to force plays. They have guys that are trying to make these passes. They're trying to be too cute. And they're indecisive. And when they actually do make a decisive decision, it's the wrong one. I mean, they look awful right now. Nobody's willing to shoot. I think one of the biggest, um, you know, BS things in hockey is, oh, this guy is so unselfish. I don't want a five unselfish players on the ice. I need somebody who is going to say, fuck you guys. I'm going to put the puck on that, and you're going to get the puck to me. I need Artemi Panarin to be that guy. I need Mika Zibanejad to be that guy. I need the guys to say, fuck this. I'm putting the puck on that and go from there. I'd rather have five guys that just want to fire the damn puck than five guys who are just going to pass in a freaking back and forth, back and forth, try to force something when there's three defenders in the lane. I don't, I'm don't. i sick of seeing that shit, dude, because I've seen it for four games in the past week. Well, not just four games. I mean, we've looked at that for the last decade. I mean, the, the, isn't it weird how teams have a trend, like a, a way of like, having a trend with their rosters and the, the Rangers trend is that they always have a shortage of shooters. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And there, there's two plays that really pissed me off about this power play today. So there was one time. Um, so I think it was actually before power play. Um, like there was a delayed penalty or whatnot. So, the Coyotes have oh uh, no, it was a power play. The Coyotes have four guys there just standing around. They're exhausted. They have one guy who doesn't have a stick. And what do the Rangers do? They're stoic. Nobody's moving. And they have to settle for Jacob Truba to have a point shot. Listen, Jacob Truba has a great shot. But if there's four guys that can't move, then you could move and skate around, and then you can make the play. Don't just let them stand there and not pay for it. And the other time was the five on three. The puck was down below the goal line. And then the Rangers had five guys within 20 feet of the net. But none of them shoot. No. 
They just kept passing to each other. Put the fucking puck on that. Oh, and it also it's felt not like, that hard. Like I was so optimistic too because it felt like they were they were moving the puck closer and closer to the crease. They were getting down low, and then they just never did anything with it. It was it was that five on three was definitely the point of the game where I was like, all right, we're not winning this. When you were growing up, I mean, you're only two years older than me. Did you ever watch the Fairly Odd Parents? Yes. So I remember this one episode where Timmy dreamed, I guess he like wished to be a basketball player um, for the Dimsdale Dimido, whatever the fuck it was. And the like all the guys on the team were too nice and they're just like, Ooh, you take the ball. No, you could take the shot. No, you could take the shot. That's what the Rangers looked like on that five on three. It, it It's still pissing me off. I hope this, like my anger carries into this podcast. I, that, it's inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's way too early for the when it rains it pours. But I mean, at this point, like we're we're spiraling, and it's way too early. Especially you, you told me about this. I didn't. I realized that the first period we got outshot eighteen to four. But you told me that we only ended up having three shots in the third period. I mean, how does a team disappear for two thirds of the game? That's just. It's, you know, I, I just spoke about how I do think that Quinn is the right guy. I don't know how Quinn is accepting that out of his locker room right now. The Rangers managed to only get 19 shots on goal in a game that they had five power plays and it went to overtime. That is on, that is just another level of pathetic ineptitude. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> I'll tell you how that happens. Because everybody is fucking passive. You get somebody's got to get that like Mamba mentality, take the puck to the net, and just keep firing it. Yeah. Someone that, so we, we don't even need a hero. We just need we need someone willing. I'll tell you who my hero is. The one guy that. I see every game he does something that makes me smile. And his name is Tony D'Angelo. And I'm not just talking about the two goals he scored tonight and the fact that he has three goals on the season. Every game, this guy does something that is... He does something that gets your attention, but for good reasons. He had one play on one of the goals tonight where he needs to do a better job being physical on the forward that's camping in front of the net. And that's one of the other big things that we'll talk about in a little bit. But he makes stuff happen when he's on the ice, D'Angelo. And, you know, for all things considering the step-on trade, and I was thinking about the step-on trade a lot today, and how Elias Anderson maybe not entirely through a fault of his own, but also, you know, you wish he would be a little bit better in his limited time, um, considering what you gave up. D'Angelo makes that trade tolerable. He has been the real deal for the Rangers the last, you know, 50 games of last season and then so far this year. I honestly thought that prior to tonight's game, D'Angelo looked like a player that you could tell missed out on being with the team throughout training camp and the preseason. Like, I'm not saying he was bad, but you could tell he was a step behind. But it it started coming around after the Washington game, after the benching, that of course was, it's always so highly publicized when it's someone like D'Angelo getting a benching for the majority of the game. Um, but it, you really saw things start coming together tonight. And, you know, he may not be the end-all, be-all for you know the Rangers in terms of offensive defensemen, but he is one of the most exciting guys I've seen play from the defensive end for the Rangers in a long time. I think the only the only time I got really mad about D'Angelo this season was in the Devil game when he took two penalties that he did not need to take, two undisciplined penalties. I guess that's you got to take the good with the bad, and uh, that was certainly the bad in that instance. Speaking of taking the good with the bad, if tonight wasn't the Pavel Buchnevich experience, 
the full Pavel Buchnevich experience. I don't know what was. First, he makes that awful cross-checking penalty that he did in the first period. You're going to get caught 10 times out of 10 yeah, if you're that but, stupid. But that was like it, – it was a pretty soft shove. I mean, it was a, it was a cross-check, but that was a pretty soft shove. But that's – you can't give the referees the chance to call that because you know they're going to. And listen, maybe we talk – yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But he had the right idea, but it was completely poorly executed by Butch. And then he has the bad trip in the second period in the corner. You got to be responsible for your stick. You got to know where the guy is. Bad penalty to take. But also, there was good that came with De- uh, Buchnevich. On the goal to D'Angelo, uh, the first goal, he made a really nice pass across the ice to Lemieux. Lemieux takes it to the net. D'Angelo catches it in the rebound. That is perfect. Like, that's what we want Buchnevich to do, create some plays. I said it earlier, the Buchnevich and Strom duo was probably the Rangers' best duo tonight other than Sabanajad and Panarin. So, uh, you know, Buchnevich, you're going to get a mixed bag with him a lot of the times, but, you know, he has the potential to be a difference maker offensively on this team, a team that doesn't have too many of them. Yeah, well, okay, so with, with that being said, do you what do you think? Who is the correct saddle for those duos? Then you got Zabanjad, Panarin, and then I mean, I think that this might be the perfect time to throw Kako up there with them. Zabanjad, Panarin, Kako, and then if you do Strom, Butch, and Kreider, I I think that gives you two solid lines. You know, I mean, obviously with Butch and Kreider who you know, have a little bit of a history as playing top, top line minutes. And then, you know, your bottom two lines have been pretty much useless to start the season anyways. But do you think that that, that would be a good way to get the Rangers kickstarted is by, you know, keeping those duos together and trying to put your, your most talented wingers alongside them? Whatever they decide to do, just stick with it. Mm -hmm. Just stick with it. I'm not the type of person that will complain about Jesper Fast being on the top line because I think sometimes spreading the wealth is probably the best thing for a lineup. So, and Jesper Fast, I think his game is made for that line anyway um, just because he's so good at forechecking. If you are able to keep the puck in the offensive end, and you have guys like Zibanejad and Panarin, when they're not being passive, they're two guys with tremendous offensive potential and tremendous shots. So I like fast with them. Um, but I think it's kind of interchangeable. I'd leave Lemieux, Strom, and Buchnevich together. Um, it's just it, that line, like I don't know what kind of usage I'm looking for out of a line with Strom, Butch, and Lemieux. Well, they look good tonight. And the Rangers really haven't had many lines that have looked good um, in this last little stretch here. Um, I think they are a good line for offensive zone starts. Strom is a very good uh, face-off winner. So, at least there's that with his game. And we'll talk about Strom a little bit, too, um, individually. But I think you give him some sheltered offensive zone time. Get Lemieux's ass in front of the net. Screen the goalie. Buchnevich is the playmaker. Best shot on that line. Strom, you know, he is what he is. Yeah, a solid but nothing spectacular bottom six forward. Um, he's going to win face-offs. Um, so I, I think that's fine. I would like to see Leah Sanderson, Kako, and Kreider on a line. Okay. But, uh, and then your fourth line could be, uh, I don't even know who's left, to be honest, Howden, McKegg, and then if you want to have Brendan Smith there, fine. <laughs> right. want to have Michael Haley there, 
fine. You want to call somebody up, fine. You want to call Garrett to play fourth line minutes, don't do that. I haven't seen so, him in years. Yeah, well, some would argue neither is Mark Stahl, but he's still playing. <laughs> so there's that. But, yeah, so that that's basically, I think, what I would do line-wise. But, my, like I said, Pick a freaking combination and stick with it for two games, and you don't see if they can develop some chemistry. That's all I'm asking. We've we've got a good stretch here now where we play we play Thursday, we play Sunday, and then we where are we after that Sunday and then Tuesday. So we we have a nice little stretch here of actually playing some games. Do you think that Quinn takes this time to like let the lineup gel? No. <laughs> If history tells you anything. If history tells me anything, the Rangers are going to have seven different lines in practice tomorrow. So, who the hell knows? It was my biggest complaint with Elaine Vigneault. It's turning out to be my biggest complaint with David Quinn. Keep your damn lines the same. Let them gel. Because, especially in a young team with a lot of new guys, they don't really have too much, you know, previous experience playing together and chemistry from that so you gotta let it develop i mean the rangers were gonna start slow this season there was no way around it with all the moving parts no way around it they were gonna start slow so at the very least let them just build this chemistry if they're gonna keep losing games that's all i'm asking let me ask you this last question before we move on What month of the season are we going to have where the Rangers put themselves out of position for a top five pick? It it almost always is November. Are we about to go like 13 and two in November or something like that? I don't even know how many games we have. They'll pull themselves out of it in late March and early April. Oh, so it'll be a real late push to, to get the seventh pick again. Yep. Okay. So they, uh, I'll, I'll say this about the Rangers. They uh they know how to get us. They really do. Yeah. So but uh in any case, one guy who as dis- I think this is the most disappointing player on the Rangers has to be Chris Kreider. So sad. He's your boy. I know. What's going on with him? I, I mean, is it outlandish to say that it's the contract? You know, it's it's the rumors about trades. Is is it outlandish to say that a man could be affected by his surroundings? In this case, yes. No, I mean, like, it, I mean, he's definitely like you, you. You're absolutely right that he is definitely one of the biggest disappointments right now for the roster. But I I think that for Kreider, it's an interesting situation where you know he has very much been a part of the Rangers core for, you know, his entire career. And now, you know, with the addition of Panarin and the the shine that Kako got leading up to the regular season, you know, Kreider is kind of in a position where we, like, I, I mean, I'm going to say we as the fans, we want him to be a part of the future, but you know he's not he's not being put in a position to succeed and that was the number one concern that we had in our season preview episode was who were they going to be able to put with Kreider in order to make it so that he's actually playing to his potential and right now the uncertainty across the lineup has just been probably the biggest drag on a guy like him and i don't i i i think that he has to do a bit of creating of the offense for himself but there's there's no no way you can say that he's been in a position to see been in a position to succeed yet this year. For a player who's supposed to be in his prime, I don't care if your second line center is Nick Mangold. I Chris Kreider has been so bad, I have no interest in re-signing him anymore. I was totally on board with it. I was on the train of, you re-signed Chris Kreider. He's an important part of this team for the locker room and on the ice. Chris Kreider, the number one complaint that we've always had about Chris Kreider is this guy disappears at various times. 
and Chris Kreider has been invisible for seven games. Granted, seven games, the grand scheme of things, small sample size. He has looked so bad. It doesn't matter if he's with Panarin and Zibanejad like he was for two games and a little bit in the second period he was with them tonight. It doesn't matter if he's with Ryan Strom and Kako. He is not doing anything out there. He's not being impactful with the skating. We all know how bad he is on breakaway opportunities. Um, He's too fast for his own good. He is not being a good forechecker. He's giving the puck away. He's taking stupid penalties at inopportune times. He has been a zero for this team this year. And he was a guy, if you thought the Rangers were going to make the playoffs, he was a guy that was going to score 25 to 30 goals. He is he's killing this team right now. He is one of the big reasons, aside from David Quinn, that this team is in the position it's in. Yeah, I mean, he he is definitely the type of player that plays his best game when he's playing that hard north-south hockey, and he's just playing like a pansy right now. I mean, like, there's, there's no other way to explain it other than he is just refusing to get to the dirty areas, refusing to use his wheels, and it is, it's, it's, it's pretty ugly to watch, but he's not a guy for me that I can... I can say I'm I'm off the re-sign Kreider train because the, having another trade deadline where we sell off a key piece is going to be just mass hysteria. It 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 just it couldn't make sense for me, especially with I mean, like you said, small sample size. But it, if we try and sell him off at the trade deadline this year, it'll be selling low like we've never sold low before. But Garrett, what what would you prefer? Let him walk for free, or and keep the, you know, not trade him at the deadline and keep that continuity for two more weeks or three more weeks, or get something for him because you're not bringing him back anyway. I mean, but, but what what is acceptable at this point for someone like him? Who cares yeah. if you know he's gonna walk? Get something for him. if you know he's gonna walk, and you know that. You guys aren't going to make the playoffs. Get something for him. You could probably still get a low-end first-round pick for him. Maybe at that point it's going to be a high second-round pick, or you can get a third and like two-thirds or something like that with the like conditions like Jeff Gordon likes to do. But, my God, you can't let him walk. And if he's anything like this for the rest of the season, you can't re-sign him either. Yeah, it's it's tough, and obviously I'm biased because he's my guy. It's just I think that we're we're in we're in a real low point right now. We we skipped a week of recording, and at the point that we stopped or th- that we had last recorded, we were kind of like we were riding a little bit of that high from the beginning of the season: two wins against mediocre teams, and uh, you know maybe a little bit of optimism. And now we we held on for too long, and two weeks later we're in complete panic mode. Uh, I'm sure we're going to go through this roller coaster quite a few times this season, and it's just Kreider. He can take the blame right now, but I, I expect him to dig his way out of it, whether that be his doing or whoever he's on a line with. Uh, I don't know, but I, I'm not ready to give give up on Kreider just yet. Also, we're losing all of our bets, bro. I've had such a bad night. Yeah, thank you for talking me into. I didn't the talk. I just told Raptors you what I was taking, and the Astros bet. Thank I, you. Thank I just you told much. you what I was taking. The Astros are still going to take the opposite. The, all right, we, <laughs> the Astros got a man on. We're about to score two runs, and we'll climb ourselves out of one. Pascal Siakam has 34 points and 18 rebounds on 26 shots. It's a lot of shots. Yeah. That is a lot of shots. That's like a that's like a Russell Westbrook game. I uh, have a yeah, 40 points on 30 shots. I drafted Blake Griffin in my fantasy basketball and he's out until the first week of November, so I picked up Fred VanVleet. And he's 11 of 16 for 31 points. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, I'm playing him in DraftKings tonight, so that's good. Yeah. Um. So we talked about Kreider. Um. We talked about breaking up the first line. Um. Just a couple more notes that I took from uh, the Coyote game. So first, Ryan Strom. So I wanted to go write a note about Ryan Strom, and my auto uh, correct made it a uh, stroke instead of Strom, mm-hmm. and I felt that was pretty accurate <laughs> given his first six games of the season. But I'd like to say I think Ryan Strom had a few really nice plays in tonight's game. I think the first, the most obvious one is the pass to D'Angelo on the power play um, that he had the primary assist there. He made a really nice defensive play, though, um, on Derek Stepan, no less. So it was in the second period, the Rangers uh, coughed up the puck in the defensive zone again. And Stepan's driving to the net, and Strom goes and ties his stick up. Puck goes into the corner. The Rangers' defense, and this is probably the main reason. There's two main reasons that the Rangers have bled shots. The first is they are giving up so many high-quality chances because guys are just camping in front of the net and nobody's doing anything about it. Yep. Get in their face. Don't cross-check them like Buchnevich did, but get in their face and get them the hell out of in front of the net. I, yep. I mean, you look at all the goals that have been scored this year. I mean, at least a third of them have been on plays like that. So clear the crease. That's my big thing. Um, and I think Strom did a nice job um, on that play. Um, bad penalty uh, late in the game by him, and awful, even worse penalty by Brendan Smith. How bad of an optic was it to have a five-on-three and Brendan Smith and Ryan Strom, two Quinn boys, are in the sin bin? It's brutal. So, and then the last thing um, – Alexander Georgiev is a stud. Dude, man. he is good. I was thinking the same thing. I like he was standing on his head tonight. There was two goals in the game that he had no shot on. The first was the overtime goal. Christian Dvorak had a beautiful shot. Rangers were in their own zone for a minute and four seconds. You know, that wasn't Georgiev's fault at all. And the other one was the second goal of the game. Um, I can't think of the guy who scored it, but it was a shot from the point. Brady Shea goes down to block the shot. Golagoski. Alex Golagoski, yeah, that's right. He goes, he takes his point shot. Brady Shea goes down on his knees to try to block the shot. Screens Georgiev. Georgiev never saw it. Um, (laughs) Sam Rosen says something in the broadcast. I think it was like the first period. He's like, the Rangers blocked nine shots in the first period. As if that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> Blocky, so the Rangers gave up 20 shots on net, and they also had to block nine shots. You add all that up, plus the shots that missed the net and all that kind of stuff. The Coyotes had over 30 shot attempts in the first freaking period. Yep. You're not going to win hockey games like that. That first goal, I, I'm blanking on why I texted it to you, but I remember when they scored that first goal, it was the softest-looking goal on earth. I think we just the defense of the team had just collapsed. They were doing a whole bunch of nothing, a whole bunch of standing around and not clearing the creases, but you know, exactly like you were saying. They, <laughs> their first periods, dude, are an abomination. Like, it's gone on for a year now. The Rangers must be the worst first-period hockey team that there is in the league. They they look woefully unprepared for every single game. Now, partially, the players are the guys that are out there on the ice. So, I'm not going to blame David Quinn entirely. But my God, man, like change something up. In the NFL, I mean, obviously it's a different sport and it's a different situation, but the NFL first 20 plays of the game are all scripted. So, you know, you can tell what coaches are good game planners or not. For instance, the Eagles, Doug Peterson, awful game planner. (laughs) And the Eagles are getting their asses kicked in every first quarter. The Rangers are the same way in the first period. Get their asses handed to them every single night. The Canucks had 17 shots in the first period and now 20 shots for the Coyotes. 
it's a disaster, man. Yeah, I uh, I I think that we just need Quinn to go full Tortorella and just like start every goon he has at the start of the game. Great. So we have more license to have Michael Haley in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, we, we tell me that it wouldn't be a power move to have uh, like an opening line of like Haley, Brendan Smith, Brendan Lemieux. Uh, and then on defense, D'Angelo and uh, who else? Another Brendan Smith. We'll clone Brendan Smith and have him out there twice. I think you'd have a lot of Rangers fans jumping into the Hudson River trying to drown themselves if Brendan Smith and Michael Haley and Brendan Lemieux or whoever the hell else he said is on the ice to start a game. I think that would be the end for a lot of people. So I do not, I do not uh, recommend it. Um, so let's play a game. All right. So going into the next game, you David Quinn could only make two changes. What are the two changes that you think he should make? The two most important changes. It could be about the scheme. It could be about the line combinations. It could be about certain players' ice time. Uh, I mean, anything. I think the number one thing for me right now is uh, getting. I, I well, can I do like a, a combo where I I want to get that top line back together. I don't care about spreading it out anymore. I want. Panarin, Zibanejad, and Butch. And then I want a concrete, like, Kako over 15 minutes. Okay, that, those that's are my two combo. things. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I want solidified lines. I don't care who the hell is with who. I really don't anymore. Just keep the freaking lines the same. That's all I want. Two games give me with the same line. See if it doesn't start to have some people gel together. That's my number one thing. Um, and there's a lot of options here. All Brendan Smith related. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't have to do with David Quinn that I want changed, like people to be decisive and make shot take shots on the power play don't just stand around when you have four people on the other team one which doesn't have a stick just standing there tired and you're just gonna stand and take a shot from the point give me a freaking break but uh so if i had to do a second one i think i would agree with you i would make sure kako is getting at least 14 minutes a night on the ice um for him to play 10 minutes under 10 minutes is a disaster. Dude, I even wore my Rangers socks today. Well, how well did that do for you? I thought that it would help, but it clearly didn't. Yeah, well, now you know for next time. Yeah, I've got another pair of Rangers socks, so I'll try my other pair. Are they the same, like, kinds? Or no, like, they're... The two, like they're two different pairs of socks? Uh, they're two different pairs of socks. These, I think I got from, like, a fanatics the other one i think i bought from uh no free ads but the website i think it's we be we bleed blue or something like that you've seen their stuff before i I have a pair of their socks yeah so shout out to we bleed blue um for whatever reason maybe because i'm just beaten exhausted that was very difficult for me to say i'm impressed how um, good you're being for what time it is where you are i am exhausted and it's only 8 45 here yeah well you gotta do what you gotta do for our our people our royal right? fans our loyal fan base um real quick really i could speak english although this podcast probably doesn't do uh much confirmation on that so garrett NBA season started tonight. I'm going to need a few predictions from you. So I'm going to just keep asking questions and you got to give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Like real quick, rapid fire. Okay. Okay. All right. Who has more wins this year? The Lakers or the Clippers? Clippers. I agree. 
Who is coming out of the Western Conference? Nuggets. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Fat Nikola Jokic. Fuck that guy. Although, I respect that you loves Pokemon. Dude, Did you see that? No, I didn't. I'll have to look that up. But, dude, he's, he's so, the so man. I guess somebody asked him, like, what did you do this weekend? He's like, I watched Pokemon for five hours. <laughs> you know what? My my favorite thing last season, someone was, like, asked, you know, uh, someone on the Nuggets was asked about Jokic. And the question from the reporter was, what is there that Jokic can't do? And he responded, jump. <laughs> and I think that's like that's the perfect embodiment of the game that Jokic plays. That like he's he's so gifted as a basketball player, he just refuses to put any effort into it. I mean, he weighs near three hundred pounds, so if he jumped up and down, the whole stadium would uh, it would be like a mini earthquake. He's the man. He's so good. Have you ever actually watched him play? Of course, I've watched him play. I watch him two times a year when he's against the Sixers. Yeah, he's he's and probably a few other. He's the man. I don't think he. I think he's fine. I think he's a very good center. Joel Embiid's better. Well, I, I don't even want to talk about it. I, it's, I it's, think that it's if disrespectful, I had, quite honestly. If I had the energy, that he's better. I could I could talk about it. Your mic is making noises. It's like I think it's you uh, moving your stand around. You're probably killing all of our listeners' ears. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, who's coming out of the East? <sighs> um, that's. I mean, the Sixers are definitely not a bad choice. Um, they're right there. You know, the first thing that actually came to my mind, which I know is not going to be the case, but I think it's just because of the off season they had. I know where this is going. Brooklyn. Oh, never mind. That's not where I thought this was going. Where? What? Oh, you were gonna say the Celtics just piss no? Me I off. hate the Celtics, dude. I I think they're gonna be really bad this year. I think they'll actually be better than they. Eh, well, if they if my big bold prediction comes true, then I think they will be better than they were last year. My bold prediction for trades this season: Stephen Adams is a Celtic, and that makes me sad because a I love Stephen Adams and b Stephen Adams just destroys Embiid. They have Anus Cantor, Cantor this year, though, too, so they'd be reuniting the uh, the Thunder Thunders. Yeah. Anus Cantor sucks. I can't wait till tomorrow night. Embiid's going to make him look like a little oh, boy. Oh, you play Celtics yeah. on opening night? That's right. Nice. At the Wells Fargo Center, I will be there. And uh, two-and-a-half-hour drive, two and uh probably two hours coming back so that's gonna be fun but i'm very excited for that and who wins the finals garrett i don't even think you gave me your prediction for the eastern conference i said i said i could see the 76ers and then i said but the first team that came to my mind was brooklyn just because they added Kyrie and uh duran who won't play this year anyways um so you're homer so you're probably gonna pick the nuggets oh man basketball is weird dude like every year if it isn't golden state it's like a toss-up i think that maybe yeah let's go with the nuggets whatever man the only other team maybe i think i i would like be willing to put money down on is the bucks just because i think giannis is such a stud my my bold prediction, I think, prediction, I, think that, uh, a bit this year. I think the Rockets are going to be booty this year. I don't know. I don't know about that, man. Well, Gerald Gerald Green getting hurt isn't a, a good first step for them, but I'm very curious to see how this Harden Westbrook pair goes. But I think people are expecting it to end in catastrophe. I don't know that it does, but you know we'll see. Um, but I, about the Bucks, I, I am. I'm thinking they're going to regress a little bit this year. They definitely I mean, look did at ball their out roster from last year. I mean, all those guys had career years. I mean, George Hill sucks on their bench. Eric Bledsoe isn't very good, um, or at least he's not worthy of the contract that he has. Brook Lopez literally can't be as good as he was last year again. Losing Malcolm Brogdon is a huge 
loss and replacing him with elderly Wesley Matthews isn't going to do the trick. I, I think that they're, they might finish with the best record in the East in the regular season, but they won't come out of the East. The Sixers are going to, and I'm not saying that because I'm a homer. Um, I just think the Sixers bench is a lot deeper than people think. I think they're going to be a really dynamic team um, defensively. I think they come out of the East, but I don't think they have the best record in the East. And you are motioning um, very uh, happy motions over there. So I'm assuming that the Astros scored two runs. No, we're, we're at 130 to 122 for the Raptors. So we got the Raptors winning by eight right now with 34 seconds left in overtime. So, oh God, please, Raptors! Just, if the Raptors can do this, and the Astros can score those two runs for me, I'd be a very happy camper. It would definitely be a um, nice little ending to this poorly started night. So I think that's about it for tonight. Um, do you have any final thoughts about the Rangers, the NBA, um, anything? We're the Rangers are going to climb out of it. You know, it. it I was. I was you know, overly optimistic at the beginning of the year, as I always am. You think? But, you know, we're going to climb out of it. Kreider's going to cl- climb out of it, and we're going to we're gonna rattle off a few wins here soon. And for the NBA, uh, I'm just waiting for this game to end. I really need a little bit of money. Don't we all? Um, and we also could use a little bit of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if uh, you listen to this, I don't, you know, if you liked it, great if you didn't like it you know whatever you're an idiot but whatever but you can still give us a five-star review even if you don't like it because you're a nice person so i think you should do that um if you write a review it is read it on the podcast that's a win and oh yeah raptors got it they covered raptors covered there we go and uh you guys can cover too um if you that doesn't even make sense but if you give us a five-star review you will cover Um, For Garrett Gartino, I'm John Williams. Peace out. We'll talk to you next week.